Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. We're looking at this morning the uh, nature of uh, God. Uh, the nature of God. And, and really focusing in on this simple truth today. That whenever we see the Lord. Hey, whenever you experience the Lord. Right? Your life is never uh, the same. Whenever you encounter the Lord, experience Him, see Him, your life is never the same. It's never the same. And we see that here in uh, the life of Isaiah. And so, uh, Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Uh, let me know that you're there by saying there, when you get there. Um, if you don't have a Bible, it's alright. We've got, we'll have the verses on the screen there for you. Uh, but this is what uh, the Word of the Lord uh, says. Starting in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 6. Says this in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Well, let me just give you some context first and foremost here. King Uzziah was a great king that ruled for over 50 years right in the region of Judah uh, there in, uh, in, in Israel, in the Old Testament there. And he was a great king for the majority of his life. But towards the end, he got a little proud, like, like we all do, got a little uh, haughty when things were going great in his life. Uh, and he made a grave mistake. He decided himself to go into the Holy of Holies and offer incense and sacrifice to the Lord. The problem was he wasn't supposed to do that. What's supposed to do that? That was only set aside for God's chosen people, the, the priests, the, the folks that God had called uh, to be a part of that. And so because that, he ended up getting leprosy, right, and ended up passing away, uh, sadly. Isaiah was good friends with him, one of the few folks at that time, man, that was following the Lord. He lost a dear friend. Times were tough in Isaiah's life as he was grieving the loss of a friend, the king, King Uzziah. And so the context of that there. Now, verse 2. Says this, above him stood the seraphim, literally in the original language, meaning the burning ones. Uh, uh, whenever you see an I am uh, in the scripture and in, in the original uh, language, the Hebrew, that uh, means that it's a plural noun. So uh, there were many uh, burning angels, if you will, that were over God here in this uh, vision that Isaiah received from uh, the Lord. Above him stood the seraphim. Each of them had six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was Filled with smoke. Imagine this scene. Imagine this man, vision here. And Isaiah, I, and I said, Isaiah speaking here, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah, I mean, he loved the Lord, man. He, he was walking with him. It's not saying that he was uh, literally lost, didn't know who the Lord was. But man, he was broken up about his sin when he saw the Lord. Man, he was tore up. He's tore up. Then verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, that this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Hallelujah. 
and verse eight. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. I've entitled the sermon this morning uh, simply this. Now you see me. Now you see me. Hey, whenever you see the Lord, hey, your life is never the same. Never the same. Why don't you pray with me? Lord God, we love you. God, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for uh, the great worship. Lord, we thank you for uh, your stirring in this place, Lord. We ask that you continue to, uh, God, to have your way here, Lord. We, we just we just want to meet with you, Lord. I'd speak to us now, Lord, and I pray that we'd be folks that hear your word, receive it, but look to respond as a result of it. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Brother Sam, uh, the year was about 2019. 2019, uh, pre-Tyler Town days. Uh, while I was at Sango, our main campus, uh, one Sunday we had the Austin P football team come and, and have lunch with us. The whole team. And so you can only imagine how much food we had to buy, first and foremost, for, for all those football players. But they all showed up. We had a big old barbecue there, man, and things were great. I remember sitting down, and, and as I've said, me being the sports nerd, I'm trying to get to know some of the coaches. There are a few of the coaches that played in the NFL, so I'm talking with them. And I remember ended, you know, ending up getting seated, Brother Greg, right uh, next to a, a young-looking guy. I mean, a guy that looked you know, kind of like my age. And so we get to talking. I say, hey, man, you are you, uh, one of the you know, uh, GA's grad assistants here, man, helping out with the team and stuff, you know. I was going to get ready, Brother Cliff, to ask if he could fetch me some water, you know. You said, I'm just kidding, I wasn't going to do all that. But, I, but he, I mean, I thought he was one of the, you know, little grad assistants there. Uh, and he said, no, 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 no. And I said, okay, well, what do you do? He said, well, I actually lead all these guys. And I got to thinking a moment, like, you, I mean, lead them in a choir service? Or, you know, what are you talking about here, leading, you know. And he said, yeah, I'm actually the head coach. A guy by the name of Will Healy, right, who was actually the most successful coach in Austin P football history, seated right there. When he when he said that, hey, listen, everything changed, Brother Ross. All of a sudden, I was buttoned up, you know, and we started, started trying to talk X's and O's with him, right? All of a sudden, it went from casual talk to more serious talk, dignified talk, right? Because, man, I saw Coach Healy for who he really was. I had this one perception of him as, you know, just some grad assistant there helping out, you know, the team. Right. I I saw him for who he really was. He was actually the head coach of the team. And so when I saw him for who he really was, everything changed. Everything changed. And we see that take place here in Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah has a vision of the Lord and who he actually was. And man, it shook him up. It changed him. And in the same way for us in here, listen, our hope and prayer as we walk through this today, that we would too have an accurate view of who God is. You say, Pastor, why is that so important? Man, I've, I've read some of these books. You know, why, why is it so important to have an accurate view of God? Here it is. I'll say it. I've said it before, but I'll go ahead and say it again anyways. Hey, the reason why it's good to have an accurate view of the Lord is because, hey, the way that you view him will lead to the way that you choose to worship him. To worship him. Right? Not just with your lips, but with your life. It'll lead to the way that you choose to live for him. And here in Isaiah chapter 6, it really a microcosm of the rest of, I mean, the scriptures, we see, right, two different doctrines pertaining to who God is. And so we're getting ready to jump into uh, uh, the deep pool here in a minute. Uh, but uh, we see two different doctrines here pertaining to who 
God is. The first doctrine that we see here pertaining to who God is, is the doctrine of transcendence. Transcendence. Right? It speaks here of, man, God, hey, being high and lifted up. Right? To him, him sitting above the earth. It talks about it in the scriptures. Isaiah 40 talks about that. He sits above the circle of the earth and his inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Right? This idea of transcendence is, is that God is uh, superior, right? And sovereign over all creation. He's over us. He's superior to us. Right? He made us, but man, he, he's the uncreated one. He's not created. He doesn't have a start date or an, an end date. He is transcendent. He is above us. The doctrine of transcendence there. uh, Psalm 90 verse 2 speaks to that, right? It speaks to, it says this, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God existed, man, since the beginning of time and will exist, man, when time ends. Man, it speaks to his uh, distinctness amongst us. We see the doctrine of transcendence, but also, man, we see the doctrine of imminence. Which literally speaks to, man, God's nearness. His activity within creation. Though He is above us and superior to us, He's not only present among His creation, He is actively working in and through it. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Psalm 139 talks about that. His presence in creation. Remember the psalmist, he says, hey, man, where can I go, God, from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? Man, if I go down to the depths, man, you're there. If I go up to the heavens, you're there. It speaks to the presence of God being here. We see his imminence right in creation. Him speaking, you know, speaking creation right to me. Him forming us, making us. His activity in creation. But ultimately, right, we see his imminence displayed in the incarnational ministry, right, of Jesus, right? God in the flesh. God, hey, he came down from heaven. Jesus came down from heaven. Right, took on flesh, dwelt among us, John 1, 12 said. Man, and died for your sin and my sin, man, so we can have a relationship with him again. And so what that means for us is, hey, he is near. He's near. And so you've got to understand, both of those doctrines are super important in our understanding of God. If you think that God is simply transcendent, then you think that he's just some kind of a distant being far, far away in a galaxy far, far away. Like that Star Wars throw in? In a galaxy far, far away. If you think that he's simply imminent, then you just see him as simply your homie. That's okay with you doing whatever you want in this life. It's okay with you living however you want to live in this life. No, no, both are important to understand. He is superior to us, but also, man, he is near. And we see those two doctrines, man, highlighted and talked about here. And so with that being said, I want to walk through Isaiah chapter 6, right? I want to really answer two questions today. Who is... The Lord, that being the first question, who is it? And then the second question is, how do we respond to him when we see him? What, what's our response to be? We'll start with the first one. Hey, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? First and foremost, we see, number one, right, that the Lord is sovereign. He's sovereign. Going back to the text there, it says that again, hey, he saw the Lord seating, sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple, filled the temple. Man, it speaks to the fact that God, right, is a king, a ruler. That word sovereign, right, according to dictionary.com, right, that word sovereign means supreme ruler 
writer or one that has supreme control or authority. So, so what that means for us is this, hey, God is the boss. He's over all things. He's over all things. He rules and reigns on this earth. He's sovereign over this whole earth and all the universe for that matter. And obviously that speaks to his transcendence, man. He reigns and rules. Psalm 97.9 puts it this way. It says this, for you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Hey, he is exalted. He is sovereign over all. So you may ask, Pastor, what, what does that have to do with me? What, what does that mean for me? It means that, hey, we've got to understand that that God is king, ultimately king. There have been some good kings, right, throughout humanity. There have been some real bad kings, right? You know, my parents being from uh, Uganda, right, there was a king that ruled during that time when they were young. Uh, You've probably seen a movie, Forrest Whitaker was in it, called The Last King of Scotland that spoke, you know, to uh, the autobiography of Idi Amin, right, wicked king that ruled during that time. There have been some real wicked kings that have ruled. But none of those kings, no matter how much power they had, compared to, right, the king that we worship and serve, the God of the universe. And so we ought to see him as that. He is the king over this whole universe, this whole world. Here's a question for you. Is he the king of your heart? He's reigning and ruling as king over, over all. He's sovereign over all creation. But listen, have you made him king of your heart today? Does he reign and rule? Brother Dwayne just testified to, is is it personal in your life? Is he personal? Philippians 2 tells that one day, hey, every knee is going to bow. And one day every tongue is going to confess. And Jesus Christ is Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. Question is, are you going to bow to him, man? Hey, as, you know, you're the one who has saved you. Or are you going to bow to him as the one who's going to judge you? Is he your... King today. We see that he is sovereign. Kings and kingdoms, man, will have come. They'll all pass away, but the Lord's kingdom will remain forever. Listen, he is sovereign. That's the first truth we see in the scripture. Secondly, we see here, he is holy. He's holy. Look at what the text says. Verse 2, above him, man, stood these seraphim, the burning ones, each have having six wings. With two they covered their face, with two covered his feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Man, imagine this picture. Man, these angels, these angelic beings, man, flying over. Man, this throne... Daily singing, they were, I mean, moment by moment singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Testifying to, man, who God actually is. Testifying to that. Testifying to the truth that he is holy. That word holy in the original language speaks to, right, it means being set apart. It speaks to this fact that he is perfect. He is clean. Without any kind of blemish. Has made no kind of mistake. That's the God that we worship. Again, speaks to his transcendence, his whole otherness. That it's hard to even really comprehend. We talk about it and think about it. Revelation 15.4 talks about it. 
John the Revelator writes, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you. And your righteous acts have been revealed. And so what does that mean for for us in here? What, what, What does that mean for us? It's hard to explain, but the best way I know how to say it is this. Hey, there is no one like. The Lord, no one that compares to him. See, you know, all all the uh, idols of old, right? The quote unquote gods of old, right? You can you can talk about and explain the gods of the Old Testament. Hey, Baal and Asherah, those were carved images. You could see them, right? Obviously, they were inanimate. They didn't have any power within them. But man, hey, they 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 rotted, they rusted. You know, they they had a shelf life and then they were done with the the God, the quote unquote gods we have here today, whether it be a person that claims to be God or or items in our life that we like to to bring up as God. Hey, we can explain those things. We can talk about those things. Those things have a shelf life. Folks that have claimed to be God. Hey, they, they've come and existed. And then they die and they're still buried. You can go through the list, but none of them compare to the Lord. They have a start date and an end date and none of them right can say that they have this sort of divine Holiness, this divine otherness, right? And so that means this, that no one compares to this God that we worship. And so this understanding of the fact that he's holy ought to, man, drive us to be like the seraphs and worship him. Man, declare praise to him. Hey, he's not just another idol that we've got on the shelf that we worship for a little while and then get bored with him and then just throw him away. He's not. Man, he's the eternal God and there is no one like him. I love this quote from Sam Storms, minister of the faith here. This is what he says, talking about the holiness of God. The holiness of God only secondarily refers to his moral purity, his righteousness of character. It primarily points to his infinite otherness. To say that God is holy is to say that he's transcendentally separate. Man, no one compares to him. Holiness is not one attribute among many. It is not like grace or power or knowledge or wrath. Everything about God is holy. Each attribute partakes of the divine holiness. Right? Speaking of God. We see here that God is sovereign, man. He's sovereign king. We see here, secondly, that he is holy. Thirdly, and y'all listen in, pay attention, right? We see, speaking about the eminence here, we see here that God is a redeemer. How many of you, man, are happy that God is a redeemer today? Shout amen. Hey, he is a redeemer. Look look back at the text. Make sure you know I'm not making it up. We're just walking through it, brother Tom. Just walking through it. Look what it says. After the foundations of the thresholds, man, of that temple shook, verse 5, Isaiah says, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I... And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this that has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin has been atoned for. Man, when Isaiah saw the Lord, he was broken up about the sin in his Life. And by the way, it's interesting how he responded here. Right. He, he didn't just disassociate himself from the people. Man, the majority of the people in Judah at that time were pretty corrupt. You know, I mean, they, they were better than than Israel, you know, because remember, the kingdom got divided. Uh, Rehoboam's folly. We can go back to the text there. Uh, and the kingdom got divided. Israel and Judah. 
Right, Israel, man, for the most part, they were wicked, man. They, they really struggled. Judah, man, you know, there were some good times, but then there were some times of struggle there as well. Majority of the people were struggling there in Judah, but Isaiah was one of the good ones. He could have easily simply chose, man, to disassociate himself, brother Derek, and say, hey, listen, man, I don't need to be broken up about my sin. I'm, I'm good. I'm not doing as bad as some of those other people that are worshiping all those false gods and doing all those detestable things. But listen, he understood, man, that, hey, he was broken up, too. He had some stuff in his life that he needed to take care of, too. Here it is. I'll throw it in free of charge. Why did I say that? I'll go ahead and throw it to you free of charge here. Listen, if we're not careful in the Christian life, man, we can get to that point where we can disassociate ourselves from thinking that we need to act upon, man, uh, uh, the conviction that comes in our life. From sin. Some of us think that, man, hey, we've gotten to a point where we know enough Bible that, man, we don't need to deal with our sin. We don't need to be broken up about our sin in our life. Man, and that's not a good place to be. Listen, hey, we need the Lord, man. And the reality is we need to get real about the sin and stuff in our life. Because at the end of the day, we're not perfect. we got some stuff we got to take to him. And by the way, hey, that's where, that's where the growth begins. Whenever you confess your sin to him and he's willing to step in and redeem In the picture here of the seraphs, man, providing that burning coal, man, and touching the mouth of Isaiah, man, it's a wonderful picture of uh, the gospel at the end of the day and how the Lord ended up redeeming us. Man, Jesus, in the same way, made a way when there was no way. He redeems. And that speaks to his nearness and his closeness. Titus 2, verses 11 through 14, says it this way. For the grace of God has appeared. Bringing salvation for all people. Hey, salvation's available for all, by the way. Available for all who would choose to turn and trust in Jesus. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us. From all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous for good works. There is some good news that, hey, God is still in the business of redeeming. Yes, he, hey, he redeems lost souls. We can testify to that. But, hey, he's still in the business of, hey, redeeming broken relationships. Hello. He's still in the business, hey, man, of, of redeeming broken situations. He is the great redeemer. That's who he is. That's his nature. That's his character. And so, hey, choose to run to him. Man, and find redemption there. Hey, you're you're not too mature, man, to find redemption in him. And so, man, choose to run to him today. Third thing, he is a redeemer. And then fourthly and lastly, hey, we see here this, that he is commissioner. I'm not talking about some kind of sports commissioner, by the way. See that you think it's some kind of sports commissioner if you're into sports. Some of you are thinking, what does that even mean? Now, you can look it up later. Um, but he is a commissioner. Look back at the text here, verse 7. It says this, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away. Right? His sin has been atoned for, been paid for. And then the, the next thing, he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go? For us. And I said, here I am. Send me. He is the great commissioner. He's the one man that that sends us out. That's God in his nature, speaking to his nearness. 
He allows us, man, as broken people to take part in his redemptive work. Isaiah had just, man, received redemption, if you will. Right? His sin had been paid for, atoned for. And now, man, he's being called to be a part of God's redeeming work. And in the same way, hey, he calls us to that same thing. And think about it, what a privilege. This guy that we speak of, man, hey, that, that's wholly other. Man, totally unique, man, you know, amongst his creation. That man doesn't compare. No one compares to him. Allows for us as broken people. No matter our past, man, he calls us to be a part of his work. Man, that's incredible. That's amazing. And we see Isaiah called here. Man, called to be a prophet to the people and speak boldly to them. And by the way, hey, all of us in here are called to do the same thing. Hello. Say, Pastor Herb, where do you find that? I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. It's on the screen here. Look what it says. Uh, verse 17 speaks to us in Christ being a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. You're probably familiar with that verse. But look what verse 18 says. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And here it is. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. How many of you are glad that God didn't count our trespasses against us today? Amen. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That we speaks to, hey, all who are in Christ. In the context of that verse, all who are in Christ. They're a new creation. So therefore, man, hey, we are ambassadors for him. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Hey, all of us are called. All are called. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter if, man, you, you've got a stuttering problem or, or you, you, you know, you struggle with speech. Hey, all of us are called. All of us are called. And here's the good thing. Hey, the God who calls us to be a part of this redeeming work is the one who is with us, man, as we continue to step out and do. He's the one who's with us whenever he puts on our heart to go and share the gospel with that lost neighbor. He's with us. Hey, he's the one that's with us whenever he calls us, man, to jump in and serve in that local ministry there or serve in in ministry in the life of the church. He's the one that's with us. He's the one. Here it is. Parents in here, y'all can all relate. Hey, he's the one that's with us whenever, man, he calls for you to, to, to better shepherd your family, man, to better invest in your kids, husbands and wives. He's with you. He is the great commissioner. And he calls us, man, to be a part of his redeeming work. And so real quick, what is our response to him? We see who God is, right? And by the way, it's not an exhaustive list. That's just what we see in Isaiah says. There's so many other uh, descriptors, right, that can go with God. Um, but we see this list here from Isaiah 6 on who he is. But, but what's our response to him? When we see him, hey, what is our response? What's our response? Number one, our response is to choose to seek his face. To choose to seek his face. Person here who doesn't know the Lord, man, and, and you know, got a clear picture of who he really is. He's spoken to you. Hey, seek his face for salvation. He's near. Bible says in Romans 10, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You can call on his name today and receive him as Savior and Lord. And, and then child of God in here, hey, seek him all day, every day. I'll just, hey, I'll just keep it figure out for you. Seek him all day, every day. Man, start your day with 
Jesus, man, in his word and in prayer. Hey, spend the day with him as you go about your day. Man, spend time in prayer with him. Man, spend time worshiping him. Seeking his face, man, and end the day with him as well. Man, spend all day every day with him. Man, hey, seek him for a word, man. Hey, you're in a mess, man, seek him. Seek him. You got burdens, hey, seek him. Psalm 55, 22 says if you cast your burdens on the Lord, man, he'll sustain you. Seek him. Man, choose to seek his face. And by the way, I'll go ahead and throw this in for no charge, Brother Sam. Hey, be careful not to. Be that Christian. I fall victim to this all the time. Be careful to not be that Christian man that, that chooses to seek more so God's hand than his face. You choose to be the one that man just, man seeks God to see what you can get out of. Instead of seeking him, man, just to be with him. To hear from him. To dwell in relationship with him. And to grow in him. Man, seek his face. First response. And then second response is this. Hey, choose to submit to his mission. Choose to submit to his mission. Hey, all of us are called. All of us are called. And I've talked about it before. Hey, you don't have to have a preacher by your name, right, to answer this call. Hey, you don't have to have a certain type of education. You just got to be saved. And if you're saved, he's called for you to be a part of his redeeming work. Whether that is, man, choosing to love that neighbor, man, that rest of the neighborhood may deem unlovable. But he's calling for you to go and start a relationship there so that you can share the love of Jesus with them. Maybe it's choosing to plug in and serve in that local ministry here at Tyler Town. You've been here a while, but you've just kind of been, you know, to be honest with you, kind of just been consuming And now it's time to take the plunge, man, and jump in and serve. Whatever that looks like in your life, hey, we are all called. Choose to submit to the missional call. And here's the reason why. Because, hey, there is no greater joy than to be on task working in the Lord's army. There's no greater thought in thinking that, man, we have a role to play. In building God's kingdom together. No greater thought than that. And so choose to submit to the mission. When we see the Lord, everything changes. We've got precedent in the scripture for that. I just read that in, in Exodus 3. When Moses encountered the great I am, hey, nothing was the same for him. He went from a dude that was stuttering. Right, he was a murderer, man, that stuttered, couldn't even get a sentence out to one that, man, God used to lead a whole, the whole Israelite people out of Egypt. Used them. Started with that encounter with the Lord. Man, you probably know a Deborah in the book of Judges. Right, Deborah's encounter with the fierceness of God changed a respectable judge to a deliverer of a whole nation in crisis. You probably remember Saul, not King Saul, but Saul in New Testament, the dude that persecuted Christians, whenever he encountered the Lord, right, he got right with God, got saved, and then God used him, right, to reach many people, both Jews and Gentiles, for the Lord. Hey, listen, whenever we see the Lord for who he really is, man, everything changes. What that means for us is this, hey, our relationship with God, it's not one that's just simply called to be Uh, mundane in the sense of, hey, we just come, check off a couple of boxes, do a couple of things for him, and then we're good. 
No, no. God wants to speak to us, man. And, and that's amazing in and of itself when we spend time with him. Him speaking to us is amazing in and of itself. Him using us is amazing in and of itself. When we, man, encounter the Lord, man, nothing is ever the same. I'm not speaking of, you know, some kind of, um, you know, uh, feelings based, if you will. Yeah, life is a struggle sometimes. There's going to be times, man, where you're more on fire for God than than other times. But the reality is, hey, whenever you spend time with God and you see him, man, it's not just another box to check off the list. You're encountering, man, the creator of the universe who has something to say to you and wants to use you. And so choose to let him do that. Choose to let him do that. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as we close, today I'm going to ask for Lisa to come up. For those of you who may be new with us this morning, uh, it's our response time, right? There's always a call to respond whenever we uh, hear from the Lord, whenever we get into his word. God calls us not just to be hearers of his word, but doers of it. And so there's a call to respond. And so this morning, you're here and and the truth of the matter is maybe you haven't had the right view of who God is. Uh, had thoughts on God, but don't have a scriptural view of who He is. And maybe we just need to ask for Him to and show you, if you're lost in here, but for those who are saved, man, and have forgotten, maybe you need to ask for him to remind you. Maybe you're in here and you, you need to commit to man, being one that chooses to seek his face all day, every day. The Christian life for you has just become one that is uh, routine in nature, mundane. You hadn't heard from God in a while because really you hadn't spent time with him. Perhaps it's because of the business of life, I get it. Maybe struggles that have come upon your life, but regardless, maybe you need to commit, man, to seeking his face and not just his hand. Maybe you're in here and, and you know God's calling you to share with that friend or that neighbor, that family member. Maybe he's calling you to plug into that ministry here at the building or a ministry outside of it. And maybe your response is to say, here I am, Lord, send me.